verses 51 and 52 of the 27th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And behold, the word behold is very important in the Scripture. Every great doctrine that is recorded in the Word of God has this word behold as a signpost written up in the great proof text. For instance, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. The total depravity of man. Behold, I was born in sin. The sacrifice of Christ, substitutionary and vicarious. Behold, the Lamb of God. The necessity of immediate decision for Christ. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So when you get this word, behold, anywhere in the Bible, there's something of vital importance coming afterwards. It says, behold. And then we have five great miracles and mysteries which accompanied the death of Christ. One, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Two, the earth did quake. Three, the rocks rent. Four, the graves were opened. Five, many bodies of the saints which slept arose. I want to speak this morning to you on the mysteries and miracles at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the death of Christ is like the sun. But surrounding the sun is a great cluster of stars. Those stars in no wise minimize the brilliance of the sun. But they add to its luster and give it a wonderful setting in the sky. And so as we turn to the death of Christ, the brilliance and luster of Christ's death is like the sun but surrounding it are many stars, and these stars are all worthy of meditation and contemplation and consideration. And I want to speak today upon these five miracles and the mysteries which surrounded the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately, Jesus died. Five things happened. Five in Scripture is the number of grace. And these five things illustrate the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are of great interest because every one of them has a spiritual significance to the saint of God. The first one is the rending of the veil. The veil was that great curtain that hung in the temple. Dividing the holy place 
from the holiest of all. That veil was never drawn aside, but once every year. And the only hand permitted to draw it aside was the hand of the high priest of the tribe of Levi of the family of Aaron. And if any other hand dared to touch that veil, there was instant death and immediate judgment. So that veil stood as a great barrier between man and the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant and the covering cherubs and the Shekinah glory which typified and symbolized the presence of God. And of course we have the symbol man in isolation. Man has no way into God. He dare not come to God because he's a sinner. And upon that ark is the cherubim, and the first mention of the cherubim is a way back in Genesis when a cherubim with flaming sword kept the way to the tree of life. So there is no entrance that when Jesus died, the veil was torn. Not from the bottom to the top, for that would have been the work of man. If man wanted to rend that veil, He'd have to have started the bottom and parted it from the bottom. But it was rent from the top to the bottom. It was the hand of God that rent the veil. And let me say that that rent veil speaks of a way in. A way in. And I want to talk a little about that way in today. That's the first one. For the saints of God, when Jesus died, there is a way in. Let's look at the second one. The second one was the earth did quake. A very useful study in the Bible is to study all the earthquakes recorded in the Word of God. The earth quaked. There's going to be a great earthquake when Jesus comes. The mountains are going to be moved out of their places. Why? Because Paul says in Romans chapter 8, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together unto now, waiting for the redemption of the body. This old earth has become a partaker of the curse. But one day there's going to be a great earthquake, and this old world of ours is going to be regenerated. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth in which dwelleth righteousness. And that earthquake speaks to me of a way back to the original creation. For when God created this earth, he created it sinless and immaculate and pure. And praise God, through the death of Christ, there's a way back to Eden, back to sinlessness. When the tabernacle of God once again will be upon earth, and God shall dwell among his people. So the earthquake speaks of the way back. Let's look at the third one. The third one, the rocks rent. That speaks to me of a way through. My, there's many a rocky obstacle in the pathway of God's people. Many a barrier between us 
and progress in the pilgrim way. But praise God, there is a way through the barriers and through the rocks and through the obstacles. There is a way through for the people of God. And I want to talk a little this morning about that way through. But then look at the fourth one. And the graves were opened. Of course, that's the way out. Praise God, there's a way out. We're not going to lie in the grave. Someday if Jesus doesn't come, we'll die. I often try to picture my own funeral and the comments that will be made when my coffin passes along the street. When you read an announcement that the minister of this church, that Ian Paisley is dead, don't you believe it, for I'll be more alive than ever I have been in all my days. I'll really be living there. And I believe God will give me the opportunity just to look over the battlements of heaven and have a peep at some of the people. I'm sure the official Unionist Party will clap their hands. And if they could say hallelujah, they would say it. Of course, they wouldn't know the meaning of that word. And there'll be a lot of people relieved. And I'm sure the Pope will have a special ceremony in St. Peter's to celebrate I'm sure there'll be a lot of people sad, but I know this, that as far as I am concerned, for me it will be my real birthday when I enter into God's heaven. You know, there's a way out for the people of God. The graves were open. The way out. But I want you to notice something else. That's not the end. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city. Praise God! There is a way up! We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the end. Of course, when a lot of God's people will be caught up, there'll be a lot of people caught on. Yes. They'll be found out in their sins. But praise God, there is a way up. Now that is what we call in homiletics the outline. We have to come back and get the material and the skeleton. Let's look at this first one then, this way in. When Jesus died, there was a way in, having boldness. Therefore, brethren, to enter in to the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. Under the Old Testament economy, the ordinary individual never got farther than the altar. The priest got to the, the laver and got to the holy place. The high priest got to the holiest of all once every year. But blessed be the name of the Lord. We don't stand at the altar or at the laver or in the holy place. Praise God, we can get right through to God. There is a way in this morning. By the blood of the Lamb, there is a way in. No longer does that veil keep me from God's presence. No longer does that veil keep me from the Shekinah glory. The veil of the temple has been rent. Come boldly unto the throne of grace where you can obtain mercy and find grace to help. And every time of me, praise God, there is a way in today. 
So I come to the altar and I pass the lever and I come to the holy place and I see the candlestick and the table of showbread and the altar of incense. But the veil is rent and thank God there's a mercy seat sprinkled with the blood of the Lamb. And praise God there is a way in for the people of God. When that veil was rent, the mysteries were revealed. You know, if you turn over with me to the epistle to the Hebrews, we might just look at it. The Apostle Paul speaks for a moment or two about uh, the wonderful things that were in the tabernacle. Look at chapter 9. You know, I, I studied this epistle when I was in prison, and there was one thing I regretted about this epistle. I have a great regret about it. You know, if you look at verse 5 of chapter 9, this is what Paul said, And over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. I'm sorry Paul didn't go on and speak particularly about it. What an exposition he could have given us of the tabernacle. But he said, I cannot now speak to you particularly. I regret that he didn't give us more about this. But if you look at chapter 9 and verse 1, it says, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna. When a man goes in, praise God, he partakes of the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Look at the second one. And Aaron's rod that budded. Why did Aaron's rod bud? Because people said he wasn't the only priest. And so the imposters came and laid their rods up before God. And Aaron read, laid his rod up. And in the morning Aaron's rod budded, blossomed, and brought forth. But the other rods remained without blossoming. It was the proof of the priesthood. And praise God, every saint of God is a priest. He has made us kings and priests unto God. We have a right to go in. And what else was in the ark? The tables of the covenant, God's law. That ark speaks of Christ. Moses came down the mountain with the table of, of the covenant of the law, the Ten Commandments in his hand, and what they do with it. He broke them. What does that mean? That means that the law of God is always broken in the hands of man. But when the law was given a second time and two more tables of stone were given, Moses was told to put them into the ark. There they were not broken because the ark speaks of Christ and the law in the hands of Christ is unbroken. He kept the law for us. There is a way in. And when I go in, I see Jesus. And I'm satisfied with my law. 
He is the root and offspring of Jesse. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Let us remember there is a way in. But let us also remember that there is a way back. This whole world of ours one day is going to enjoy the benefits of redemption when the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign. I'm glad we're going back to Eden. And if you study Eden's garden, you'll find in Eden's garden there was the tree of life. And if you come to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, you'll find the tree of life is growing again on earth in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God. And so we're back to the beginning. And all that was lost in Adam has been regained and more in Jesus Christ. No wonder Milton didn't finish by writing his wonderful piece of literature, Paradise Lost. But he went on to write Paradise Regained. And praise God, we have regained it in Christ. What a wonderful thing that is. There is a way back. There's a way back to God from the dark paths of sin. There is a door that stands open. And all may go in. At Calvary's cross, that's where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus. But not only is there a way back, but there's a way through in 1970, we have seen the rocks rent by the power of God. I was preaching yesterday up in Coleraine. I called in at Balamina, and I said to my brother-in-law, Brother Jim Baggs, I said, you come with me and give me a bit of chat going along the road. So he came with me, and we were talking about 1970. You know, 1970 was a wonderful year for this church, a wonderful year for our people, a wonderful year for this preacher. And we were talking about all the obstacles that were across our path when we commenced the year, and how when we came to them, God made a way in the sea. He made a way in the sea. He brought us through. Listen, friend, it doesn't matter what rocks are before you in 1971. God will cleave the rocks and bring us through. The one who divided the waters can still divide them. The one who can make a way through the wilderness and preserve us can still preserve us. And God will see us through. I believe that 1971 will be a tougher year for God's people. I believe we'll have more affliction. It could very well be that this preacher could end next year behind the iron bars. No one can tell. We don't know what's in front of us. But I know this this morning that God will bring us through. For by the power of the cross. And that cross becomes a hammer. And with that hammer of the cross, we can smite the rocks. And we can know a glorious way through. God will see us through.
So you don't need to be discouraged or downhearted or depressed or disappointed. For God never heals his people and never will. We're going to get away through. God will make a way for us. I know the Lord will make a way for me. If I live a holy life, shun the wrong and do the right, I know the Lord will make a way for me. He'll bring us through. And some of you, you face the rocks of disappointment, the great mountainous rocks of sorrow. And some of you in the past year lost your loved ones, and a dark shadow came in your home. But you can say with me today, God made a way through, standing somewhere in the shadows, you'll find Jesus. He'll bring you through. Let's trust Him. But there's something more here. There is a way out, out of the grave, out of death, out of defeat, out of separation and isolation. There is a way out. The graves were open. I want to tell you something. You know what God has done? When our hopes have been buried and our expectation has been cut off, you know what God did? God made a way out, didn't he? He gave us a resurrection. He opened the graves of our hopes and the graves of our sorrows. God made a way out for his people. And one day he's going to make a way out for us. Old Job, he was a great old warrior, a wonderful man, and he said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that I shall stand on the latter day upon this earth, and though the skin worm destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, and my eyes shall behold him, and not another. That's the faith of the believer. And this body may crumble into dust and its particles may be scattered to the ends of the earth, but God who made man originally of the dust of the ground is well able to remake man of his own dust. And so he shall. And thank God one day there'll be a way out for the people of God. Out of darkness into light. Out of Bondage into liberty. Out from the sepulcher to the throne. God has already done that for us spiritually. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. We have all had a resurrection of our spirits and souls by the power of the Holy Ghost. And thank God that's not at all. There is a way up. Bodies of the saints came out of the grave. And after Jesus rose, they went into the holy city. What does that mean? That means that they went into the holy city of God. Turn over with me to Revelation, please. And you will find in the book of the Revelation, in verse 2 of Revelation 21, And I, John, saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem. You know, my friend, when Jesus rose, 
certain of the Old Testament saints rose with him and accompanied him into the holy city and showed themselves unto many. One day that city is going to leave heaven and come down to earth. And the tabernacle of God, God's dwelling place, the holy city, is going to be reconstituted on earth. And in Revelation 21, you have the great word, and look at the word, behold, and I tell you to look for that word in verse 3, behold, that tabernacle. What's a tabernacle? The dwelling place of God. What the tabernacle is is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There's a way up. Praise God, we're going higher someday. What a day that'll be when the saints go up, when the trumpets sound. When we're finished, someone asked me one day, what would you like to be doing when the Lord comes? I'll tell you what I'd like to be. I'd like to be in the court before the Lord Chief Justice, just before he was going to sentence me, and the trumpet would sound that I would be away. I'd like to see the faces of the old rascals. Where is he? He's gone. Hallelujah. My, what a day that'll be when we'll be saying goodbye, goodbye. We'll be going to meet Jesus. And we're going to be like Him. Poor, miserable specimens of clay that we are. Stained and scarred and marred with our own cynic. Through the grace of God, like our wonderful Lord. And we're going to see His face. And we're going to serve Him for all eternity. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Brethren and sisters, there's a way in. The veil is rent. There is a way back. The earth doth quake. There is a way through. The rocks do rend. There is a way out. The graves are open. There is a way up. The bodies of the saints arose and after the resurrection went into the holy city. Be encouraged. The battle will be fierce, but God will take care of us and he will see us through. May God bless us and make us a blessing for his name's sake. Amen.